0: And uh, it's our prayer, isn't it, that we would know the presence of God in a powerful way of his son living within us through the Holy Spirit. So our our young people should have your word searches, and uh, all I can say is listen to the message you need to. I'm not going to draw your attention to any of the words that you're looking for, so you do have to listen carefully. And there's at least one relatively tough one, I hope. And so this morning, uh, we're going to uh, just read, if we may, um, again to remind us from Acts chapter 2. And I think as we begin to sort of reiterate and to read these verses again and again the last couple of weeks, we should begin to see the nuances, the small details that are so important. And one of them is found right there in verse 1. They were all with one accord in one place. What does one accord mean? It means unity. It means that they were bound together by something. Something powerful. Something that changed hearts and lives. Something that meant that you couldn't just go off and leave your brothers and sisters. You couldn't just try and, and, and uh, go your own way. Do your own thing and so on. Because this, this unity was holding, was holding people together. And it's the Holy Spirit. You see if Christ is living in us. We have a responsibility to, to, to each other in a, in a very, very powerful way. We can't just walk away. We can't turn our backs upon people. And when we hear of churches that split, and so often around here we, we see and hear of, of churches splitting over the smallest of things. And yet we need to recognize that that's not what God's intention is for us it is to have that unity of one I hope one day this church will split for the right reason and that is that we're going to go and start another church somewhere else because we're not into great big churches we're just into families and into fellowships and so we look at that so when the day of Pentecost had fully come they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven As of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues of fire. What happens when you have fire and wind together? You get an absolute inferno. And that's the picture that we're beginning to see. And one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Not what they wanted to say, but as the Spirit spoke through them. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound had occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. There's a contradiction there, isn't there? But they were confused because of who it was who was speaking and how it was that they were able to speak in uh, or that they were able to hear in their own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born, the detail that's there? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia... Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them speaking in our own tongues, the wonderful works of God. So we know what's being said. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? And if you were here last week, you remember that that's the question that we were asking. What can all this mean? And it's still the question that we're asking today. What can all this mean? Of course, there's others, others mocking, saying, they're full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. Listen carefully to what is being said, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only a uh, the third hour of the day, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men shall dream dreams, and on my men servants and on my maid servants I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awful day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And we praise God for his word this morning. Amen. But what are we going to do about it? We're just going to carry on as usual. Or are we going to listen to what's being spoken of and are we going to see that even though we're talking about Pentecost 23rd of May, AD 33, we are part of that. Because we see the Holy Spirit imparted into our lives when we come to faith and put our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. When we have been redeemed, gentlemen come in, (laughs) there's always room for more. So last week, if you were able to join us, you'll remember that we spoke about the fact that all of us who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ have the Holy Spirit living within us, all of us. Now last year, a young English woman by the name of Emma Raducanu, she was just 18 years old. She won the U.S. Tennis Open, Okay. Now, some of you may or may not have noticed this. It was a very impressive event that took place. And while lots of the stories have focused on how young she is, one of the most fascinating uh, accounts of, of what took place is how she started the tournament. She started as a qualifier. Now, if you don't know what a qualifier is, it means somebody who has to work very, very hard to be allowed to take part in the tournament. You see, if you're really good at tennis and everyone knows that you're really good at tennis, all you do is just just drift in and you're able to start playing games from the top without having to try very hard, without having to do anything. But she began as a qualifier. It meant nobody knew who she was. What is this name? Who is this person? And so she had to begin by playing games. And there was a qualifying uh, set of matches that took place. And then those people, the nobodies, were allowed to take part in the US Open, okay? Now, if you follow tennis, you'll know everything I'm talking about, and if you don't, uh, you'll have not much of a clue, but just take it from me that something very, very special took place. It was truly an incredible feat, because up until that point, Grand Slam finals were the private domain of those who had some standing in the tennis community. Those whose ranking was high enough to place them without ever having to play a qualifying match. You see, the championship for tennis goes like this. The nobodies never get anywhere. That's the rule. And Emma broke the rule. But incredibly, in this one tournament where she went from being a total nobody... To not just getting into the competition. But to winning it. She won it. She won the Grand Slam. Now she was a very capable tennis player obviously. She was only 18 years old. But she did it. And on the 23rd of May. AD 33. Pentecost morning. Genuine nobodies. Insignificant. Run-of-the-mill Christians, if you like. A bit like us. On that day, something incredible happened. These nobodies became somebodies. Because God himself, by his Holy Spirit, came in and dwelt in them. God came to live in them through his Holy Spirit. And from Pentecost, every person who has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, every true believer, also has the presence of the Holy Spirit within them. The Holy Spirit, part of the Godhead, part of the Trinity, right from the very beginning. The Holy Spirit took part in the creation of the world. But now the Holy Spirit lives in you and me. If we've given our hearts to the Lord Jesus. If we have surrendered to him. If we've placed our trust and our belief as John puts it in his gospel so clearly. All these things have been written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ. And that by believing in him you may have eternal life. And when we do this. God doesn't just leave us on our own to fend in this world. He comes in and he gives us the power and the strength that we need to be able to stand against the current which is getting stronger and stronger every day that we wake up and we see the different things that are taking place. But we are not alone. We have God living within us. It's beyond our understanding but he's here. Now maybe you're asking, why has God the Holy Spirit been poured out on every believer? In the Old Testament, he was given a particular or, a, or, or a, to those who had a particular or a special task. And we've looked at that a little bit last week as we, as, we, as we met together. So why this change? What is it that has happened? Why was the occasional work of the Spirit changed to a permanent work of the Holy Spirit? Because that's what it is. There are times when we pour cold water on the experience of the Holy Spirit. And there are times when it's almost as though we feel that we've been left alone. But that's our problem. Because you see, if you walk away from God, you will feel alone. But he doesn't leave you. I've said it to you before, we've got a little dog. Some people think it's some sort of rodent that we take for a walk along (laughs) the path, okay, but we have one of those leads, and it goes, ee, and the dog, you know, disappears off into the distance. And there are times when we behave like that, but suddenly, the dog stops, falls over backwards as its lead reaches the end, because there's a time when we will go as far as we're allowed, and we're brought back. Well, following on from last week, uh, we saw clearly that the Holy Spirit is now poured out on all believers. We're baptized with the Holy Spirit, we're submerged, if you like, we're surrounded, we're engulfed with it. At least that's how it should be. So we are all, as believers, given the Holy Spirit. But secondly, as we read the Scriptures, we discover that this imparting of of the Holy Spirit should totally transform us. And the one thing that it transforms us, and I know there are people that will have differing views on this particular point, but I would say, let's read the Scriptures, because if you remember last week we said, what we want to do is not hear my answers to this, we want to hear what the Scriptures have to say. And it's this, each and every person who has come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ becomes a prophet. That's what the Scripture says. Verse 17, and it shall come to pass... In the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. And on my men servant and on my maid servant, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. So we're beginning to see now that all believers have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. And now we begin to see very clearly that all believers become, through the work of the Holy Spirit, prophets. Let's see what we're talking about. So our second point in this opening few messages on Pentecost, our point number two is that we are all made prophets. Now it is fair to say that some people in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ today seem completely unaware of this particular point. It doesn't change them at all. Some people are uneasy about the word prophet, full stop. But this is God's word that we have presented to us clearly. So the important thing is is that we understand what is being said. Some churches themselves seem completely unaware of some of these teachings that we have here. Yes, yes. Initially, we all want uh, what the Holy Spirit gives. At least, we think we do. We want the Holy Spirit to come and live within us because that is what makes us Christs. It is the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that marks us out as belonging to Jesus. So there we have it, friends. If you want to know if you're saved, if you want to know if you have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the question is, is the Holy Spirit present in your heart and in your life? It's the mark that shows that we have been bought by the blood, the precious blood of the Lord Jesus. But now all of a sudden, some of us are beginning to feel uncomfortable. Because suddenly we're told here in the scriptures that the result of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is that we become different. We're changed. That we become prophets. What is a prophet? A prophet is someone who tells forth the word of God. You see, we can't get away from it. Of all the things that the Bible has to say about the work of the Holy Spirit, this one is very, very clear in our passage. Verse 17. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, and you shall prophesy. The Spirit has come to make us prophets. Now at this point, as I say, there are some churches, there are some pastors who become immediately concerned over language like this, but it's what the scriptures say. <laughs> some churches, they don't even allow people to take up the weekly collection unless they've been voted as deacons into the church in some way or, or, or have some sort of, uh, of office And here in the scriptures, it states that we become prophets as the Holy Spirit moves into our hearts and into our lives. Do you realize today that there are some churches who are terrified of the prospect of the Holy Spirit revealing himself within the fellowship? Because they don't know how to handle what it is that's going to happen or could happen. They have for centuries got everything worked out so that the church runs smoothly. No bumps along the way. No difficulties. No unforeseen changes that come along. And if God wants to speak to them and it doesn't fit in with the way that they have allowed themselves to be. We had a little bit of an example this morning. We felt the need to pray for people. But we can do that because that is how the Holy Spirit works and leads. And in some churches, you discover, you know, everything's going along happy, and then suddenly somebody in the congregation is filled again with the Holy Spirit. And suddenly that person feels and knows and has an exciting experience of the Lord Jesus and and they're stirred in their heart by the Holy Spirit and the power and the reality of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit comes crashing into their lives and everything changes and they talk to other people and the pastor says, calm down, you'll get over it. Stop worrying about it. Just sit back in the pew, be quiet, and stop causing trouble. They want to break out of the confines that they have been placed in. They want to experience the fullness of the Christian life. They have suddenly found this deep satisfaction of a personal relationship. Suddenly it all comes together. They realize that it's not religion we're interested in. But it's Christ living in me, changing me, guiding me, leading me. Personal relationship. And they've experienced the Holy Spirit working in them. And they become prophets. And the pastor says, Don't say anything. We don't want your sort here. I can speak from some personal relation, understanding of this. Uh, the church that I grew up in was uh, um, a fairly traditional Baptist church. Um, a little bit reformed and Calvinistic in some respects. Perhaps a little bit too much in some areas. Uh, and the pastor, the spirit worked in him. Little Welsh guy, Selwyn Morgan. And some of the elders didn't like it. Because he began to talk very much about this personal relationship. That we all needed to have. Every single one of us. To know and to love and to recognize. And to see the work of the Spirit within our hearts and lives. And yes, personal things are not easy to cope with. Slowly but surely, things changed. And the whole congregation began to change. And it was exciting to see what was taking place. And so this morning, we're concerned to know what it is to be a prophet. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands for any prophets here this morning because you're probably still thinking to yourself, oh, this sounds, you know, do I look like Isaiah? <laughs> you know, Deborah. But we've got to talk about this, it's important. It's true that many people have many different ideas as to what being a prophet means. In fact, the Bible uses the language of prophets in a variety of different ways. We recognize that, Old Testament, New Testament, and so on. But remember last week, we said that we want God to answer these questions, the Lord to answer these questions for us, and this is what we're doing this morning as we see exactly what Acts chapter 2 is talking about, what it has to say to us in respect of the spirit coming on all believers and all believers becoming prophets. So we'll just let the scriptures speak for themselves, but we shall look at different scriptures. If you've got a Bible, keep, uh, keep it handy, and we'll turn over some pages in, uh, in just a few moments. So firstly, being a prophet means something very, very straightforward. What is it? Any ideas? Okay, what does a prophet do? Stephen. Stephen proclaim and so when you're proclaiming something what are you doing you're speaking exactly so very very clearly the first thing that we see here in this particular section of scripture is that as the Holy Spirit comes into the lives of these men they start speaking and of course they have to because this is how the church was to grow by men being filled with the Holy Spirit, going into communities, towns and cities and villages and places and marketplaces and so on, and they're speaking. So firstly, being of profit means to proclaim. It means to be able to speak. And again, this comes as a major shock to some people. You mean, I'm to go out and to talk to people? Well, that's what the Scriptures are saying here. And as we look at our text this morning, speaking is exactly what Peter and the others are doing. Speaking is exactly what takes place as the Holy Spirit has been poured out into their lives. They are talking, and they are proclaiming, and they are speaking, and they're opening their mouths. And something else has happened too. And it's this. They're being heard. Do you see? They're speaking. The Holy Spirit is speaking through them. And they're being heard. And sometimes we think no one's listening. Sometimes we think it's a waste of time. But it's not. Because as the Holy Spirit works in us, he will also work in the hearts and the lives of the people that are to receive the message and to be able to hear. People will listen when the Spirit is at work. And that's why we pray for our community. That's why we pray for each of the streets in our town and in our township and the little towns around us and the places around us, the places that we work, the places we go to school, the places that we go to college and all these things because we recognize that this is where it begins. We pray the Holy Spirit works in us and through us and that's why we should be praying for those who are not saved. Yes, these men had been locked away in an upper room not so very long Uh, so much earlier from this particular situation. They're locked, they're terrified, and as I've said to you before, every time each of them came in, the others would say, quick, did you lock the door? And one of them had got and twist the handle to make sure it's locked, because they were terrified, they were afraid. But do you not see what's happened here? They were so afraid, they certainly weren't going to go out and talk to anybody, but as soon as the Holy Spirit comes and floods into their hearts and in their lives, what do they do? Well, let's see what the Scriptures say. And when the day of Pentecost had fully come, uh, and suddenly there was the sound of wind, and there appeared before them the flames, the Holy Spirit began to speak with other tongues, and then we go right the way down here, but Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, men of Judea and all, I'm not afraid anymore. All that's gone. I'm not fearful anymore. I'm prepared to stand up, raise my voice, and speak. And Randy, David, evangelism, that's what we're prepared to do. And nobody should stop us, because the Holy Spirit leads us to do this. Standing up, raising their voices, wanting to be heard. And they were heard. Yes, miraculously, in many different languages. Now, that reminds me of the Tower of Babel or Babel. I don't know how you say that in North America. So I'm going to say Babel because that's how I was brought up to say it. But we know what we're talking about if it's Babel. Have you ever considered before that Pentecost was the complete reversal of God's judgment at the Tower of of Babel, Have you ever thought about that before? We all knew in, in, uh, in, uh, in Sunday school the Tower of Babel and maybe we've tried to build one and of course men got together. They wanted to reach the heavens. They wanted to reach God. They wanted to show God what they were like. They didn't want God involved in it. This was them. And remember the house, the church that men build will always come crashing down. And it will never succeed. So Pentecost was the complete reversal of the judgment of God at the Tower of Babel. At Babel, God confused languages. You know, Dutch came along. Everyone was speaking English until that particular time, and then suddenly everything changes. Okay, and Prater Netherlands happened <laughs> at Pentecost. All could understand. And you go into the world today and where the gospel is preached, there is this uncanny ability that everybody seems to understand. Even people that speak different languages today. There is still the ability through the word of God, we compare notes. You can take a Mandarin Bible and work out where Romans is. And there's this unity in the spirit. For those who are truly saved, because the Holy Spirit bridges these things, and you can be sat in a room with someone you don't speak the same language, and you can have fellowship with them. You can rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ because the Holy Spirit's in both of you, and it's exciting, and it's tremendously. Exciting. So at Pentecost, all could understand. At Babel, God's judgment scattered the people, but at Pentecost, God's blessing united people together, brought people together. Babel was a scheme designed to praise man and his efforts, to make a name for humanity. But Pentecost brought praise to God. Do you see? Babel was an act of rebellion. But Pentecost was a ministry of humble submission to God. What a contrast that we see between the two. And we're going to talk more about uh, tongues and languages and so on. um, As uh, as we begin to go through this series. You see their baptism in the Holy Spirit is changing everything. They've become prophets. Prophets. And as they tell forth the word of God, verse 4, they began to speak. And then verse 7, the people around see them standing and hear them speaking. And now we come to verse 11 and we're told two things. One, they heard them speak in their own language. So a miracle has taken place, a miracle we can't really understand. I remember uh, driving, again, the Dutch would do well on this particular point. We'd been to Poland or to even Lvov in Ukraine and we're driving back. May have been Minsk in Belarus, can't remember. Anyway, we're driving back and it had been a long, arduous journey. Uh, drove something that young, even young men shouldn't do for 20 hours without really stopping, okay? And we finally made it on what's called the E40 across Europe uh, through Germany. And came into Holland, and we decided to stop um, at a McDonald's. Okay, and there's there's something really nice about a McDonald's sign. You've been in Eastern Europe for a long time. And uh, so went in, and uh, uh, went straight up to the counter. And it was a young guy, and he said, hello. So I said, hello, back. And then I sort of pointed to try and get the right food. And he said, it's okay. We're Dutch. We speak English as well as German and French. And any other language you want us to have a go at. And I always remember that because he was right. Anywhere you went, you'd find young people were able to communicate. So, one, they heard them speak in their own language. As I said, we're going to talk more about this in, not next week, the following week. Uh, This is a repeat of verse four where we're told that they began to speak in other tongues. And then secondly, we're told in general what it is that they were speaking and talking about. They were telling people in their own tongue about the mighty works of God. And that's why we spent so long looking at the first chapter of of Acts about the importance of the basics of the Christian life because primarily God's work of salvation of mankind began in the Old Testament but is fulfilled in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the mighty works of God that would have been uh, explained and spoken about. Being a prophet here is clearly about speaking. Indeed, that's what being filled with the Holy Spirit, and I say this, and I'm quite prepared to to explain what I mean, but this is essentially what being filled with the Holy Spirit is basically all about. It's about being able to speak the wonders of God. Now, I realize that... uh, Perhaps that's not what some people want to hear. Some people want to hear and to talk about miracles and extraordinary things. And this morning we've spoken about some of those things. About miracles and about healings. We've spoken about them because we've seen some. And then there are others who don't even think that all Christians should speak about the gospel. Where does that come from? Which Bible are they reading? Because that is one of the greatest emphasis that we see in the Scriptures. We come to faith in Christ, we then become a witness and a testimony. People look at us and how we live. They listen to what we have to say, and God works in us. God works through us. God speaks to other people. We are his chosen instruments of righteousness. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, well, if I'd been God, I would have chosen a different way. Particularly as you consider your own life. But this is what God has chosen. Okay? This is what God has chosen. All Christians should speak the gospel boldly. And boldness is again another sign of the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because instead of being locked away in an upper room... With no doors and with no windows and the doors bolted or whatever, suddenly we have a boldness to go into the world and to preach the gospel and to speak the gospel and to share our testimony with others. So, from the passage this morning, we see that to be filled with the Holy Spirit means, firstly, that we will become prophets and we will start talking. Now, if you've got a Bible, just turn, uh, please, with me and, and we'll show this. Um, in some scriptures, which we all know really well, and when I say we all know, I'm pretty certain that we do, because uh, they're scriptures that are quite often read at Christmas time. But have we ever really understood what's being said? Okay, it, it, it's important. You know, we might have the idea of of, of the baby Jesus in a manger. And that's firmly fixed in our minds. But but listen very carefully as we just look at these other words. Because as we begin to see here, we see people being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then we immediately see, either immediately or within a very short period of time, what the result is, what the effect is. And these scriptures, very, very quickly that we we look at now, will explain this to us. So if we look at, at Luke chapter 1, verses 15 and 16... For he will be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So who's being spoken of here? Who said John? Well done. My wife knows. That's encouraging. <laughs> John the Baptist. Okay. So in, in, in uh, these verses, we see that he will also be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. John is filled with the Holy Spirit before he's even born. Now this should immediately make us think about the terrible situation of abortion in our country and in the world today. Babies filled with the Holy Spirit. And then what does he do? He's born, grows up. And he preaches a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, then he speaks. John the Baptist is the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. And then we go to verse 41 and we read about Elizabeth. So just a few verses uh, further on. Uh, Elizabeth was the mother of John the Baptist. She was also filled with the Holy Spirit. And we read here, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, that the babe leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. What did she do then? Then she spoke. She spoke out with a loud voice and said, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Elizabeth is filled with the Spirit and she immediately starts to speak words that we don't you know, think about too clearly At Christmas time. And then in in verse 61, Zechariah comes along. He's the father of John the Baptist, and he had a spot of bother. He couldn't speak for nine months or whatever because he didn't believe what was taking place. But then suddenly he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and what does he do? He starts to prophesy. What does it mean? He starts to speak. Now, the last of these accounts that we're going to look at is is one that's uh, a bit further on. Uh, It's Luke, Uh, if we turn to chapter 4. And again, it's one of those verses which we perhaps don't think about too carefully. But uh, chapter 4, verse 1 says, Then Jesus, what? Then Jesus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not what we're expecting, is it? Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil. As I say, it's not what we were expecting. But that's what we're told. So here's the order. Our Lord Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit and he speaks against Satan. Satan. It's the Scriptures. Now what's going on here? Well, we need to take the Scriptures as they are. Our Lord is filled with the Holy Spirit, the very same language that is used of us. Have you ever considered that before? We too are filled with the Holy Spirit. The Scriptures tell us this. Our Lord was filled with the Spirit and then he answers the devil. And the great encouragement we have here is that what took place for our Lord Jesus is the same power that's available to us. Now do you begin to see the importance of these things? The way that Jesus defeated Satan, that is available to us. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and we too, as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, are able to defeat the enemy, to defeat Satan. In our lives. And friends, this is why Pentecost is so important to us. Because all flesh includes you and me. Just check. Yeah. All flesh. Friends, the Holy Spirit has been given to us to make us prophets, all of us. And that is that we are able to speak. And as with the Old Testament, God has given us something particular to speak about. You see, God's prophets speak God's word. This is what's been given to us. The task is clear. The resources are given to us. The words are given to us. And our responsibility is to be faithful to him. Now, I'm just going to hurry to a close because time has gone by. Uh, I really enjoyed uh, putting this together. Uh, I've just got to read a couple of verses to you from uh, Numbers. If you remember last week, we read from Numbers. Um, because when we look at uh, uh, Joel's prophecy that is contained here in this particular um, section in, in Acts chapter 2, uh, we need to sort of see that there's this uh, discussion about dreams and visions, okay? And so when we turn to uh, Numbers chapter uh, 12... In verse 6, we read these words. Hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, will make myself known to him in a vision. I speak to him in a dream. But friends, things have changed. Because... All of us now have the Holy Spirit living within us, those of us who are believers, those of us who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're no longer dependent upon God speaking to us in dreams and visions. But what do we have? We have God's Word. We have the revelation of Jesus Christ clearly presented to us. Do you see what's going on here? It's all about God making himself known. So in the Old Testament, that meant literally dreams and visions. But as Hebrews tells us, We don't need to look for other ways of God communicating anymore because he's made himself known in an even greater way. How has he done this? In the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why Peter doesn't (laughs) spend the rest of this tremendously exciting sermon that's contained here in chapter 2 of Acts of the Apostles talking about dreams and visions. He doesn't need to because he focuses on On Jesus Christ. Either the things that God promised about Jesus in the Old Testament or on his own apostolic witness. But it's all about Jesus. Peter reminded the people about what they had recently seen and heard in Jerusalem. And and they, they, they were cut to the heart when he reminded them. And it is this that makes up the New Testament. We don't need to go looking for dreams and visions. Although, of course, God can speak to us in dreams and visions. We understand that. But we don't look for that. Because we have something far better here in God's word, the Bible. The full and final revelation of Jesus Christ. And as I said, everything we need to know from God is here. And now that the Spirit has come, every single Christian has been empowered to speak. This word of God and friends, that's why we're prophets. We have the power of the spirit living within us. We have the words to speak. We have the boldness to do it. And we should never let anybody tell us that we can't do it. Ever since the day the Spirit came, 9 a.m., 23rd of May, AD 33, every single believer has been empowered to speak the Word of God. And uh, in a couple of weeks' time, we're going to carry on and to look at this, but I hope we're beginning to see the excitement that there is as we look at these.